This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting to hold politicians accountable for better health care. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Komsik for Libby Zneimer. The irony of how a world-renowned scientific institute in Israel can focus on brain research with Canadian experts amidst the hostilities in the Middle East. Couldn't agree more. It's very intriguing to me as well. How can such things happen in today's world? And I hope we can understand how the brain works so that we can understand what happens when it doesn't work well. And what's the saying? Age is just a number, but a specific number or threshold over 80 may officially become when Ontario drivers will need to take an enhanced road test. The Zoomers advocacy group CARP wonders... Why 80? That's an assumption that when a person reaches 80, somehow they become incompetent or unable. And that, that's really ridiculous. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A groundbreaking vaccine created through decades of research in California targets triple negative breast cancer, the deadliest and most aggressive form. In its first trial, there have been no bad side effects and no resurgence of the participant's cancer so far. The vaccine works by targeting a lactation protein, no longer found after lactation in normal aging tissues, but it's present in most triple-negative breast cancer patients. Researchers say the vaccine results are incredibly promising, and the hope is that within five years, it'll be approved by the FDA and available to any woman who wants to prevent cancer from ever occurring. New anti-obesity medications like Ozempic carry potential risks for anyone over 60. The meds can lead to gastrointestinal side effects like nausea in older adults. They were also more likely to stop taking the medications because of side effects in general. Fatigue, another common side effect of these drugs, and can be even more pronounced in older adults and when people lose a large amount of weight. Their blood pressure can also dip. Reducing muscle mass means older adults may also lose strength and stamina. Experts warn our bodies change with age, so the results in younger people don't necessarily apply to older adults. Please tell me more about this part of your life. It was decided that Robert Kennedy would come to the dedication of Fordham Law School. Some people are using AI chatbots to create avatars of departed loved ones. 75-year-old Stephanie Lucas Oni still turns to her father for advice. She listens to his answers through an app that generates responses based on interviews before his passing last year. His voice gives her comfort, but she said she created the profile more for her four children and eight grandchildren. But here after AI, introduced in 2019, has raised ethical questions and left some who've experimented with it unsettled. 
The world's second oldest woman has died at 116 at a nursing home in Japan. Fuza Tatsumi was healthy enough to live in her family home until she was 106, where she ate three meals a day, including vegetables, fish, and meat. Her nursing home said she would drink a liter of water a day, and up until 110, she would do her own makeup and often chat to staff. She became Japan's oldest person after the death of a 119-year-old woman in April of last year. If uh, I'm still strong, I will just continue until I can able to do Octogenarian athletes are not completely unheard of in ultra running, but at 81, Johannes Mosella became the oldest person to complete a 90-kilometer foot race in South Africa, shattering a record that stood for more than three decades. But what's more remarkable is he finished ahead of more than two-thirds of the runners, 95% of whom were more than 20 years younger. A legend in his hometown, the five foot two Mosella says he refuses to grow old. He didn't take up running formally until 2003 when he was 61. I'm Bob Kopsick, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Brain Canada researchers, along with ones from the world-renowned Weizmann Institute of Science in Israel, are teaming up to better understand the brain and its disorders. One and a half million dollars will support up to three team grants of half a million each over two years. Professor Ronnie Paz of the Weizmann Institute joins us from Israel, while Brain Canada's president and CEO, Dr. Vivian Poupons, in Montreal. Could you just... Tell us just how this is going to work, how both Israeli scientists as well as scientists here actually can work together on this. Yeah, so this is really the exciting part is that we are combining two powerhouse in in neuroscience research. So what we're doing is having a scientist in Canada and a scientist in Israel at the Wiseman Institute of Science working together on the same project. And why is it exciting? It's because we combine the research excellence of Canadian scientists. They're in the top five in the world with a world leading research coming from the Wiseman Institute, which has led to key discoveries in the past and, and, and is doing right now. So what we're doing is to unlocking the mysteries of a brain and by doing that, also enable to treat brain conditions. Specifically, what kind of research can we expect to see come out of this? So what we're hoping for is actually we are not targeting or driving a specific agenda. We are, it's an open call competition for uh, really powering innovation by designing a multidisciplinary, multi-institutional, integrative research competition. We bring together this expertise uh, on both sides, of, in both countries, because we know it will accelerate science. And what it will lead to, because it led to that in the past, and the past is the best way to predict future success, is that there's been major contribution both from Canadian neuroscientists and Wiseman um, scientists in many important aspects of brain research and treatment to brain research, whether we're talking Alzheimer, Parkinson, traumatic brain injury, neurodevelopment disease. I'll just use one example from actually the Wiseman is that in multiple sclerosis, 
Copaxin, which is one of the key and the first game changer in terms of treating multiple sclerosis, will actually stem from research from Michael Seta, uh, and it's not a blockbuster drug for multiple sclerosis treatment. So these are the kind of things rooted in better understanding to, of the brain and then leading to treatment. Professor Paz, how did the Wiseman Institute come to establish a partnership with Brain Canada? And also then, how will the, the two of you actually work together? Uh, so Wiseman Institute has um, long been involved with Canada doing collaborative research. We have many colleagues in Canada in several leading universities. So it comes both uh, uh, bottom-up and top-down. I mean, our management is very involved with Canada at, at all levels. And bottom-up, we have many scientists that are doing collaborative research uh, with Canadian institutes. And, you know, we've, been long, we've long been involved in such collaborations, and therefore we thought it's, it's, it's a good time to start a a form of a collaboration that can bring collaborative grants and foster and promote research across the two countries. What kind of research, brain research, I guess, can we expect to come out of this? So Weizmann County have two uh, uh, main departments that are related to neuroscience and brain research. It goes from molecular neuroscience to um, uh, systems and neuroscience, which is brain research. And we have all span of techniques and and approaches to study the brain in health and disease. We also have a new institute here, the Azriel Institute for Brain Neurosciences, which actually um, uh, um, comes a lot from many uh, donations and work with Canadian and I'm absolutely confident that there are going to be a lot of uh, fruitful collaborations. I myself have some. And again, the, the main focus of Weizmann Institute is basic science, and we focus on the brain in health and disease, trying to understand the mechanism that underlie uh, anything from um, uh, molecular neuroscience, uh, uh, neuroscience at the level of neurons, cells in the brain all the way to the whole organism and behavior. And obviously, a main focus is uh, disease of the brain that includes neurodegenerative disease and and there's also major focus on emotional and mental health and trying to understand um, disorders like post-trauma, depression, anxiety, and many more. And... We know that, as I mentioned earlier, there are already established collaborations with Canadian researchers, and we're absolutely sure that this um, uh, new program is going to take this even farther. Don't you find it ironic that a world-renowned scientific institute in Israel is trying to focus on brain research with Canadian experts amidst what happened on October 7th? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's 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 very intriguing to me as well. How can such things happen in today's world? And and I hope we can understand how the brain works so that we can understand what happens when it doesn't work well. Professor Ronnie Paz of the world-renowned Weizmann Institute of Science in Israel and Brain Canada's president and CEO, Dr. Vivian Poupon from Montreal. 
I'm Bob Comsick, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, the province is being accused of ageism behind the wheel. Why aren't we having testing based on an individual's driving ability rather than their age? There's a lot of other factors, health, medication, all kinds of things that affect people's driving. A specific age shouldn't be the decision point. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting against ageism in the workplace and the marketplace. Find out more at carp.ca. Welcome back. It's a question that's like a boomerang. Tries you might to throw it away. It always manages to come back. How old is too old for one to be driving? The province is considering introducing an enhanced road test for those over 80. Now, currently, drivers have to renew their license every two years after reaching that milestone. The renewal process involves attending a senior driver education session that involves a vision test and having to draw a clock, which measures cognitive abilities. It does not examine motor function and coordination, concentration, hearing ability, spatial perception, and reaction time. Ministry of Transportation research done in 2020 showed more than one-third of drivers old than 80 who passed the clock drawing test could not pass a road test. The recommendation is for the introduction of an enhanced road test that could combine driving maneuvers of a standard highway test with additional scoring to gauge cognitive abilities related to safe driving. The ministry is considering bringing this in by 2026. The Zoomers advocacy group CARP and its chief policy and operating officer Bill Van Gorder thinks the province should reconsider. I think and CARP uh, believes that uh, this kind of automatic assumption that anyone over a certain age is probably a poor driver is just plain ageism. The issue is why uh, why 80? That's an assumption that when a person reaches 80, somehow they become uh, in, in comp- incompetent or unable. And that's, uh, uh, that, that's really uh, ridiculous. Uh, you know, the, the, if I looked up the Transport Candace National uh, database, and they say the most reported accidents are people 25 to 34. They have the highest collision rate. So why why are we focusing on 80-year-olds? Why isn't it 50-year-olds or 40-year-olds? Why aren't we having testing based on an individual's driving ability rather than their age? There's a lot of other factors, health, medication, all kinds of things that affect people's driving. Uh, A a specific age shouldn't be the, uh, the decision point. There has been a lot of talk, as you know, especially being involved with CARP, that there's been talk, be it in Ontario, be it uh, provincial or a federal uh, scheme, possibly to uh, make it safer for people driving those on the road and older drivers without coming up with an age. And now with the fact that talking about an age, about the Ministry of uh, Transportation doing uh, some reviews here in Ontario with them saying, thinking about coming up with this for 2026, this seems to be taking on a little bit of shape or do you think the ministry is merely flying a trial balloon to see which way the wind's blowing? You know, one of the suggestions that CARP made, has made many times is that there be a graduated license as people uh, lose some of their uh, 
uh, their quickness, their agility, just like you have for young young people when they first learn to drive, they could do certain things at at certain stages. Well, at at uh, the upper end, why not say that uh, certain people can't drive on multi lane highways or can only drive in the daytime? You know, you know, uh, uh, having limits like that rather than we're going to come up with a test. And that means you're going to either have your license or you're not have your license. And, and we won't test anybody until they're 80 years of age because we believe everyone 79 and, and under is perfectly fit to drive. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, you talk about uh, <laughs> logical. What you just put out there seems logical. But when you put logics into politics, <laughs> the the round peg doesn't always go in that uh, square hole, does it? Oh no, you're you're absolutely yeah, you're absolutely right, and 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 as I say, that's why uh, one of the reasons that the policymakers, the politicians, are so uh, low to uh, finally make uh, these kinds of decisions because they know what the pushback will be. And you know, even even doctors uh, have a problem with it. Uh, I've had a number of doctors say to me, "Look, uh, I know that." Generally, I believe there's a responsibility to to say if a person can't uh, drive. But if I, as as a person's doctor, uh, am the one that, that says they can't drive, they're going to absolutely hate me, detest me, and they're not going to come to me for all the other help that I can give them in terms of living a, a healthier, healthier life. So, and there are, there aren't even any. Uh, standards or guidelines as physicians have in most areas of, of health that, that they can judge driving ability or lack of it uh, against. Uh, uh, there's an awful lot more work that needs to be done than we just knee-jerk say, if you're 80, you can't drive a car. When somebody can't drive any longer, that affects everybody in their in their inner circle in terms of uh, uh, whether it's not having them to to drive them places or whether it's having them to worry about transportation for the person that's lost their uh, lost their license. You've stated Carp's position. You say you've been on this one for for years. I take it then yep. Carp will continue on the path of standing up for its members and even older Canadians who might not be members of CARP just to stand up for them in this case. So even though there's the talk about possibly something, talk about vague, coming by 2026, uh, it, it could take such a totally different form by then, if it even comes in by then, based on your input and input, I'm sure, from many others, as you pointed out, doctors, groups, etc. Absolutely. And, you know, anything that is an automatic assumption that anyone over a certain age, whatever that age is, uh, probably unable to do it is just plain ageism. And it's, uh, we can't allow that to uh, happen. If we're going to make decisions, we all want them to keep, we want to keep our drivers safe and we want to keep our roads safe. But that means everybody has to stand up to these, uh, uh, these uh, benchmarks, not just a certain group because they happen to be a certain age. What would you like to say to the politicians now who by then somebody else could be in office? Who knows? What is the message from CARP to the province? It's important to treat all drivers with with respect. Uh, We have to avoid ageism. But we do have to promote safe driving practices for everyone. So come up with a system that does that. 
Bill Van Gorder, Chief Operating and Policy Officer for Zuma Radio's advocacy group, CARP. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Komsik for Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. With technical production by Ian Robertson. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.